Welcome to Books on Air, the podcast that tells the story behind the book. It includes insights from authors about how they compose their work, what inspires them, and what they hope you'll take away from their book. Here's your host for this episode of Books on Air, Suzanne Harris. Welcome to the Books on Air podcast. I'm Sloan Fremont filling in for Suzanne Harris. This is a podcast where listeners get the secret story behind every book. Joining me today is Dr. Eric Kolb, author of the book, The Human Mind, A Psychological View of Theological Concepts. In this book, Dr. Kolb compares and contrasts the scientific understanding of the human mind with the teachings of the Bible. His book should always be accompanied by a four-colored pen with which to write color-coded comments in the margins. So welcome to the Books on Air, Dr. Kolb. I'm so happy you're here. Oh, thank you. Glad to be here. So let's start out by telling the audience just a little bit about yourself and what led you to write your book, The Human Mind, A Psychological View of Theological Concepts. Okay. Well, I'm a psychologist, uh, primarily working in the area of behaviors and child development. And after a while, um, I also have a muscular dystrophy, so I didn't have the strength to keep up with the kids anymore. Uh, so I had to find a new um, way to keep myself active, occupied and uh, still my, maintain my in- interest in psychology and also theology. And one day I was reading the verse where um, Jesus says, uh, they asked Jesus, what's the most important rule? And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, body, mind, and soul. And it just hit me in that moment because I had just been reading something in psychology um, that the human being is made up of these four components. We are we are a body, we are a mind, we are a heart. That means the emotions, not the organ, of course, mm-hmm. figuratively, and soul. And each of these four components um, work together, but there are many questions on how they work together and to which degree and lots of theories. So I just uh, dove into that from the scientific or psychological perspective, but also being aware of the theology, theology behind it, realized, wow, there, this is one thing where the Bible and science really seem to um, fit and where the questions remain the same. You know, what is the heart? What is the mind? What is the soul? Uh, and the well, the body is the easiest. We see that, right? But it's not just the body. No, we're, we we say we are somebody, but are we our body? Are we our mind? Are we our soul? Yeah. Are we an emotion? You know, you can't just pick one. It's it's all four of them. And so I just started uh, diving into researching how that all works together. Yeah. And that's so interesting as I'm hearing you talk about that question about what are we, right? The body, the mind, the soul, because I, I, in my own life, I know I've, I've, it, it always felt to me like I was just my body. That's just what it was. And all these different components of me were parts of me. Right. And then, you know, I heard the question once, you know, who's the, who's the, I think it was like the thinking voice in your mind, right. Versus the, um, like, are, are you the thinker of your of your, of your mind. Right. And you, you start digging into all these questions and, and having that, 
not the separation, but seeing yourself in these different ways, almost seeing these different elements of yourself that for me personally, always felt like they were just one thing blended together. And I think that's, um, that understanding that we have these different components of ourselves. Um, it's just, it's a fascinating topic to me. Yes. And it's really about, you know, how they're blended together. Uh, and that's, that's really what I was looking into. Um, and like I said, I found it interesting that um, the Bible specifically says these four parts, and then science also discovers these four parts. And in the Bible, it says, um, guard your heart uh, for everything you do flows through it. Guard your mind for everything you think uh, comes to comes to be. And that's exactly what we find in the science. You know, um, here I have a glass. When I go to pick up this glass, I don't, you know, my hand does that. But how how do I pick up a glass? I just think. I just will my hand to do it. I don't activate the motor cortex. Right. You know, I don't uh, judge how many um, electrons from fire have to fire or how, how many um, muscle cells need to be uh, integrated. The mind just does that. Right. Um, so we, we know that it's our mind that controls our body, but we don't know how. So, mm -hmm. you know, they say that, so that comes from the consciousness, but the consciousness is not material. The brain is material, but science tells us something immaterial cannot activate something material, except for in the brain. It, it, it happens there, and we don't know why or how, and that's the big dualism versus um you know all the different uh the ideas of how that comes what is the consciousness is it all just are we just atoms we'd like to you know a lot of people would like to think so but even the people that are really strictly materialists that, that means we are only it don't there's only the body the mind the consciousness the soul none of that exists it's only body and that's all we are but no one lives that way Right. No one, you know, no one thinks if if that was if that's what we really believe, then why would we value our own children over other children who are maybe better suited to follow in our footsteps? You know, we we no one lives as if we are only material. Even the people that strictly believe, no, 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 there is no consciousness, there is no soul. We are only material, and we from dust we come, from dust we return, and that's it. But they don't live that way. Even if they don't believe in God or spirits or anything above that, if they're strictly atheists, they still don't behave as if they were, because there is something more. It's just we can't put a finger on it. Right. And that's, you know, and that's another thing that's in the science, you know, we, we say you can't prove, you can't prove. Well, yeah, we've also discovered in science that even mathematics cannot be absolutely proven. Um, there's, uh, you know, the Godel, the Godel incompleteness theorem states that a statement can be either true or false. And false statements can be proven as false. But true statements can only, they can be proven or not proven and still be true. That is a basic fact of mathematics. 
which says we can't always know. And the more we know about science, the more we're realizing there's some things we're just not going to be able to figure out because we can't know. How do you think our own intuitions or feelings play into this? Because sometimes what we're talking about here with like the body, mind, the soul, consciousness and all this stuff, sometimes these things to me, at least have been hard to put in words. It's, it's a feeling I can feel, There's, right. but I can't explain it. How do you think that plays into what we're talking about? Well, that's exactly the topic of my next book. You know, we're talking about the human mind. Um, I've already uh, submitted the human soul for publishing. The next book that I'm working on is the human heart, the emotions. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, my favorite, because I wrote my dissertation about that. The emotions are just a wild thing. Yeah, The brain kind of works like a hybrid car with two different, with yeah, gas and electric engine. The emotions can kick in and take over yes. at any time. And we don't realize that it's done that until after it's done that. Right. And sometimes not even then. Um, and that's why it's, it's a different part. I mean, it, the system is in the brain, but it doesn't run under the same um, conscious awareness system. It runs under the automatic nervous system, mm-hmm. you know, where our reflexes are, our right. drives, our instincts. Um so that's going to be the topic of my of my next book. But it, you mentioned also intuition, a very interesting thing where I I do mention this in the human mind that um, the belief is the lens of our reality, and humans right. are born first with an intuitive cognitive uh, system. We just think, and but we we build our beliefs, whether or not someone believes in God will have a lasting uh, effect on the development of their whole person throughout their lives because that's how they see then reality. Right. Okay. So it's a very important, um, you know, our beliefs are are a very important system, whether we believe in God or not, or whether we believe in anything. You know, our political beliefs, our moral beliefs, our family beliefs, and all of those are all the things that make us us. And through that, we see reality. So two people like you and I looking in the world, we're actually literally living two different realities because you have your beliefs and you see it this way. And I have mine and I see it this way. And we're both looking at the same thing. Yes, which is so fascinating to me. Right. I love this topic. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting that, um, you know, the first to develop is our intuitive beliefs. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, in this book, I, I, I talk about a study where um, the, I can't remember the name of the, the scientist, uh, um, but a lot of people have followed this up. That they've done studies that people who believe in God tend to have um, more of an intuition, intuitive cognitive system, and people who do not believe in God uh, tend to rely more on their uh, rational cognitive uh, right. thought processes. And they kind of, the, the authors that wrote this do not believe in God and tried to point out, you know, if you believe in God, it's because you're just thinking uh, irrationally, you're intuitive like a child. Mm hmm. 
Mm -hmm. I said, oh, really? Well, what does the Bible say about that? If you want to get into heaven, you have to be like a child. Uh, and that's why that was the point where I really started to study this, uh, um, this idea that both the science and the Bible are agreeing on the same thing. We, we have these intuitive systems. We are born to believe, like uh, Scully from Acta X on a poster, I want to believe. He had the poster of the UFO. Mm -hmm. uh, we're born first with the intuitive, we, we want to believe things, and then when our theory of mind begins to develop, then we start to question our beliefs, which is also a very good thing. You know, I always say, Faith is blind, but it does not have to be ignorant. I mean, some people can just, they read the Bible, that's it, that's the truth, that's all I want to know, and that's all I believe to know, and stop there. Okay, good. Uh, me, I like to read the Bible, but I've also read the Quran. I've read uh, the, the Gnostic books, that not even in the Bible, and studied theology. And the more I know, the more I understand the more it strengthens my beliefs. I like to read uh, read all of Richard Dawkins' uh, stuff and Lawrence Krauss and um, Christopher Hitchens, three um, very uh, well-known atheists. And I've learned more from God about them in the last 10 years than I have in the Sunday, you know, going to church on yeah. Sundays, yeah. hearing the same sermons over and over again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that willingness to be open to all, you know, it's very easy on particular topics, especially one that we're, as we talked about emotions that we're very emotional about, it's very easy to be, well, that's it. That's what I believe and having that, you know, unwillingness to look at any of the other sides. And I think that, um, you know, having that, that desire to be able to look at other things, doesn't mean you're going to believe the other things, but being willing to be open. I think that's part of like, especially on a topic like this. Um, it always amazes me what I don't know, you know, what I thought I knew, but in the end, what I actually don't know and being able to expand your perception, being able to be open to other things. Um, it, it doesn't, it, it, to me, I've always found it doesn't just necessarily open me on one topic. It opens up my whole world. I see, as we talked about with our, our perspective of our reality, um, I've had many times where being willing to open my perception, my, my view on something has completely changed my, my world in, in way, in positive ways. That I never would have imagined just from the willingness to be open. Yes, it's very important. If, if 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 you're not willing to open and willing to listen, then you're not willing to learn, and then you're not going to change. Right. And you're going to stay just you as you are. And even if you're in a really good place, staying there will become stagnant eventually. Right. And that's what we call burnout. Mm -hmm. now, you know, just doing the same thing over and over. Even if you're really good, even the you know the best football player, that quarterback in the world, has to retire again. Right. And again. You know, right. you, you can't keep that up. Yeah, yeah. And so, let's go back to your book and talk to us a little bit about the process of writing it. Did anything surprise you during that process? And can you tell us maybe one of your favorite parts in your book or maybe one of your favorite topics that you wrote about? Um, yeah, the, 
I, I think the, the the blank slate um, idea that is children when we are born um, we're we're kind of like a new iPhone out of the box. Okay, <laughs> it's got everything in there that needs to be in there to work, but I haven't programmed anything into it yet. Mm-hmm. And it used to be that we would think any child can be anything at any time. And as a behaviorist, you know, I work with children to mold their behavior and teach them and make them uh, reach their potential of whatever that is without knowing what that is. And there's other people who say, don't even bother because it's all in the DNA. You can't make a Mozart out of everybody. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually a perfect example of that. My father was a professional uh, football player, American football player, and I did sports like crazy. I was training for the Olympics since I was six years old. And well on my way to becoming a professional athlete, but the DNA said, "Uh uh-uh not going to happen, you have muscular dystrophy. So all that training wasn't going to make me an athlete, but that's where I learned how to work hard. Mm -hmm. That's where I learned how to just set a goal and do it. And that's what made me be able to, you know, uh, continue living with muscular dystrophy and say, okay, if I can't work out my body, then I'm going to work out my brain and achieve all I can with that and make that as strong as possible. Um, and so that's what I I do. And uh, every day I sit down and write my quota for the day. Now, if I don't reach my daily goal, I don't fall into a, a pit and say, oh, I get nothing done. You know, it, it, it's just... Something that, you know, I make my to-do list, check it off, just to keep rolling. And bit by bit. So now I've been able to write uh, a book a year for three years. My goal is to, to, um, you know, it's going to be a five-book series. Mm -hmm. After that, I'll probably set another goal and chip away at that until I achieve it. Yeah. So. Yeah. And so tell us what sets your book apart and maybe all of your books uh, apart from other books. Well, um, from the, from the theological Christian point of view, it's set set apart because it's science based. I write an APA format. Um, I am a Christian. I write that openly, but my statements are backed with scientific uh, peer-reviewed articles. Um, there's in-text, in-text citations, um, a complete reference reference list, and I want this to be. Um, it has to it has to face the scrutiny of the scientific scrutiny. Now, there will be scientists who say that and say, "No, I disagree with this uh, theory," but it's still a scientific theory mm-hmm. that that's been established. So it's not just my opinion where I'm thinking, hey, listen to me, God's done all this for me, and I want to tell you about it without any basis. It's certainly not a devotional. It's not evangelical. I'm not writing this to bring people to God. 
Um, it's more about opening the discussion and say, this is what we have in the science. This is what we have in the Bible. Look, people, it's not that much different. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's not to um, look at it, weigh out the facts, make your decision, because belief is a choice. We, right. we, we choose to believe what we want to. And then find the evidence to support that belief. And I know that I'm very well, that goes for me as well. But I'm aware of that. I point that out the whole time and say, you know, this could be this and it could be this. Uh, And here are the studies where I get this information. Um, Look at them, you know, go to the data yourself and see what you think. Yeah. And, you know, one of the most freeing things I ever read, and this has been years ago, is we don't have to believe everything we think, right? We we have a choice in in how we perceive the world. And I think you're talking to us today about all the things that we've talked about, such a big, big and fascinating topic, but being able to bring two groups together that are often on opposite ends of the spectrum of things, being able to point out the similarities and show and talk, you know, show, show us that, um, you know, again, maybe if we're willing to be open to it, that how things, how it might change our life in a positive way, right? We, we have this connection that, um, you know, I think you're showing people in, a, in such a different way. And, and I, I think that's very amazing. Yeah, it, it, exactly. That's it. I mean, imagine, you know, as humans, Everything we see comes in through our senses, okay? And so that's the way it is for every living organism. Mm -hmm. And so we see the world around us. So I'm in this room, and I hear how the sound is. I can see the light shining on the walls and what's hanging around and on the wall. If there was a bat flying in this room, it would be the same room, but they would perceive it completely different. Right. As I would, but their image of the room is is not more correct or false than my image. It's simply a different method of seeing them. Yes, and you know we can now as humans we can sh- show you make sonar pictures and use this technology and say, oh, this is how the bat sees it, and this is how I see it, and a different organism may see it this way and this way and that way. I like to know them all. And the, you know, the more, uh, the more understanding I have, the better choice I can make of my beliefs. And more or less, that's, that's why I believe in God, because I've, I've seen all the, the data. I've, you know, from, from an evolutional standpoint, we have, these fossils, and you, they put them together in a tree form and say, this one comes from this one, and this one comes from this one. But I understand the process, how they put that all together. The whole idea was, if there were no God, how could life evolve? Let's see if that would be possible. And they put the puzzles away together in a tree format and say, okay, this is how it could be if there were no God. But that doesn't mean there is no God. That's more only how someone put the pieces of the puzzle together with the idea from the beginning that there were no, there was no God. But I understand also from a scientific point of view that that's the way they have to think. Uh, when, when, 
know, scientists want to make a car that brakes really well when you put on the brakes, they don't need to consider if the person driving the car is listening to gospel music or praying mm-hmm. or what religion. They, they want the car to stop. We right. want to make medicines that cure people whether or not they believe that they're going to heaven or hell when they die. That's irrelevant for the science. So science has to work assuming a closed uh, system. Otherwise, we can't, data would have no meaning. Because you can always say, well, what about the angels? What about prayer? Right, right, right. And you can factor that in. Yeah. Um, So as a scientist and a a theologian, I understand both concepts. I work as a scientist. I live as a theologian. And together, that is my life. Yeah. This is such a fascinating topic. I wish we had more time today, but uh, we are at the end of our time. My guest today has been Dr. Eric Kolb, author of the book, The Human Mind, A Psychological View of Theological Concepts. And before we close out today, what do you hope the readers learn or take away after reading your book? Understanding. Simple understanding um, that they would find more information to secure the beliefs of whatever they have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To, you know, if they think why, you know, the, the question why is such a difficult question. Why is something? And it's a hurtful question, and, but it's also not a very helpful question. Mm-hmm. The why hangs on you. And I want to get the people from the why to the how. Yeah. How can I live better? How can it be made to work instead of why am I like this? Why? Yes. yes. Is it so bad? Why is the world so bad? I want to focus on how can we make it better? Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, thank you, Dr. Cole, for joining us today and being our guest on Books on Air. This was such a great and amazing conversation. Thank you very much. You can find more about the book, The Human Mind, A Psychological View of Theological Concepts on Amazon, and I'll link to the book in the show notes, so be sure to check that out. You've been listening to the Books on Air podcast brought to you on webtalkradio.net. You can also hear this podcast on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. I'm Sloan Fremont, and I hope you'll join us for the next Books on Air podcast. Remember, you never know who's going to be here, and you never know what we're going to talk about. Thank you so much for listening.